0: Welcome back to the Fantasy Game Theory Podcast. This is Episode 9. I'm Graham. I'm here with Jake, as I always am. Jake, how are you doing tonight, man?
1: Graham, it's Saturday night, and we are talking football. I um, hear yeah, Ross Tucker talk about the sickness, and I think it's safe to say you and I have the sickness.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, last night, I was up charting running backs until, like, 1 a.m., and my friends are out drinking at the bars, and... I don't know, I've, never been, I've never been a guy, like, never been a big going-out guy, but uh, I think it's definitely fair to say that we're both just two dudes sitting here talking about football on Saturday night, and we're just out of our minds.
1: Well, speaking of charting, um, why don't you talk about your yards-created, uh, what do you call it, yards-created model? It It's awesome, man. I, I've been reading the stuff that you've been doing. It's it's right in the mold of what uh, Matt Harmon does. You know, why don't you tell our audience what, what Yards Created is all about?
0: Sure. So if I haven't spanned everybody's uh, Twitter timelines enough over the past like three weeks, uh, yeah, Yards Created has been really, really great um, so far. So thank you to everyone for for kind of checking it out. But it's kind of my um, attempt, I guess I'll say in quotes, that it's uh, it's my attempt to kind of quantify how offensive lines and running backs Play and um, you know offensive line and running back play can't necessarily be divorced running backs if I've learned anything from this process it's that running backs are highly dependent on offensive line play um, but yeah it's just my attempt to kind of quantify running back play a little bit better and uh, and kind of advance the conversation in that sense so Jake, thanks so much for uh, for the kind words and you know it's been a really cool kind of month for me on like a career level. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all very humbling.
1: It's awesome, man. I think you give a very unique perspective to the running back position with this, what you're doing. And uh, I'm excited to see how it grows. We're going to have to get into it a lot more this summer.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it too. And I, you know, like I said, I really appreciate that. All right. But Jake, we are not, we are not, we're instead going to talk about some wide receivers and, um, kind of the rookie wide receivers. Um, there's a lot of great analysis going on out there. Um, we're kind of going to go over it and maybe spit out some knowledge that, uh, kind of hasn't been talked about. At least, at least we think we're going to be unique, Jake. I think that's the thing. We think we're unique, but we're all really not that unique. Are we? We're going to try. We'll see. We'll try. All right. So we'll kick it off here with, with Corey Coleman. Uh, he is my number one wide receiver in this class. Um, just a complete freak. He has a 97th percentile spark score. Uh, he averaged 1.7 touchdowns per game. And Jake, did you know that was a full touchdown above the class average? I mean, it was just, he was just sick. At that was
1: not a, win. Was not a
0: win. Yeah. He was just, I mean, I know touchdowns are like kind of unpredictable, but he was also third in uh, receiving yards per game turns 22 uh, this July. Uh, should, should immediately, if San's Josh Gordon should immediately be the number one wide receiver in Cleveland, Jake, how do you feel about Coleman? Um, I know you're probably just in terms of targets highest on him in this class, correct?
1: Yeah. I think Coleman has yeah. the, Coleman has the yeah. chance to, uh, to finish, finish that. The yeah. Historically, only yeah, 15 wide receivers. receivers. They The 24, 24 since 2000. 24. So the, odds are slim. the odds are slim, but Coleman is in that position yeah. to where he can get it done. If if he does, in fact, get those targets, we think he will. Um, obviously, Josh Gordon would have to to bow out for him to get all those targets. Um, but it, you know, I, I think he's at least capable of doing what Travis Benjamin did last year, which is sixty five catches, nine hundred yards, somewhere there. So top thirty is probably where I would bet he ends up. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, he's he's a freak athlete and. Um, if anybody has a, a good landing spot, I think it's him. Just from the uh, uh, wide, receiver, wide receiver one spot. How do you
0: feel about that? Yeah, that's that's totally fair. Um, like, I think there's like maybe a five to ten percent chance Gordon comes back. Like, I really, I mean, nobody really knows where his headspace is at. Um, but even if he does come back, uh, Corey Coleman is walking into 138 vacated targets from last year. That's 22. Per, 0.7% of their 2015 team share of targets. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who is the quarterback there. Um, you know, they have RG3. They just drafted Cody Kessler, who's kind of interesting from an analytics and numbers standpoint. And uh, then they have, you know, the veteran Josh McCown. Um, I think the quarterback play will be decent enough to work Coleman. Like you said, I think that's actually a pretty good, like four for him, if we're making projections would be Travis Benjamin's like top 30 year last year. Um, but if he gets a flood of targets, there's, I, I like you said, I think there's top 24 upside there.
1: I agree. Um, next on your list is uh, Treadwell. What's your take there?
0: Yeah, sure. So I, I like him obviously like he's super young, uh you know he, he actually I just found out like as I was researching his age I knew he was 20 he turns 21 on June 14th Uh my birthday is the 13th uh which is kind of kind of crazy like one of the NFL guys is already younger than I am and I'm 21 I mean that's just it's kind of bizarre Jake am I getting old uh, dude stop it you know I, I, <laughs> I me. Mean, I played with Carson Palmer okay so yeah I know I, I'm just joking around of course um yeah, so getting back to treadwell before I, I sound like an egotistic uh, e- egotistical jerk. Um, you know, obviously, was coming off the broken leg, broken ankle uh, was pretty much class average. Uh, is, uh, um, in terms of like some of the efficiency numbers that I uh, kind of track was literally class average, pretty much across the board in percentage of targets. They gained first downs uh, fifteen plus yards and twenty plus yards. Uh, The main concern here, of course, is Minnesota and uh, Mike Zimmer just doesn't like to throw the ball. Minnesota was dead last in pass attempts in 2015. They're 22nd in 2014. So as long as Zimmer is there uh, and Zim's going to pound the ball, play good defense, uh, the problem with Treadwell is going to be volume. Obviously, he's super young, um, which is great. But Jake, what do you you think about about Treadwell?
1: I, I like him. I just hate the landing spot. I mean, you got an offense that doesn't throw, which you already said. You know, Bridgewater's throwing 14 touchdowns. That's it in two years of play. That's been his top. So it's, that's that's just not great. So uh, Diggs is still there. I really like Diggs. I think he's a decent um, receiver, and he may have something to say about Trevor taking that spot. So I'm going to take the under on him. I do like him as a prospect, though. You know, Anquan Bolden was uh, always the uh, comp that I heard and because the guy's pretty scrappy.
0: So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, Treadwell is extremely physical. He's not like, I've seen one, one of the most frustrating things to hear about Treadwell around the draft was his slow 40 time. And like, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't go on Twitter rants. Like I rarely give hot takes on Twitter, but, uh, it was really frustrating. Like Treadwell is just not a speed player. He's kind of like Brandon Marshall. He just loves to be extremely, extremely violent around the ball and bully players. Um, but just kind of circling back here, you know, Minnesota does have uh 72 vacated targets from last season. That was uh, just below 16% of their team target shares. So uh, seventy-two. yeah, I know it's just, it, it's just such a, like a mess spot. Like I remember rich rebar back in February. I don't know why I remember this tweet, but um, it was kind of funny. Like Minnesota, he said Minnesota is going to draft one of these wide receivers we all like and just going to squash their van, uh, fantasy value and i think i mean i don't i don't think treadwell is squashed by any means but that that upside piece where we all you know kind of i guess chase targets like you and i like to do uh it's just not there yeah i'm
1: i'm fading him this year it's I'm not outside the dynasty i'm i i will not own him and redraft. i just don't think they're going to throw it enough i think they're just going to you know hand it off to ap one more year to ball control um, I do like him as an athlete, though. So we'll see. He's, he's the kind of guy I expect to take a couple of years to develop, and then you know could be a really nice possession guy. Um, but next on my list is uh, is Tyler Boyd. Um, he's a guy that scored really high on the Phenom Index. Um, I, I know you're familiar with it. John Moore does a Phenom Index at the CFX. Um, really cool concept that combines Dominator rating and age breakout and uh, Boyd was one of the highest from this class, and uh, you know John Moore called on Robinson a couple of years ago. He was higher than Alan Robinson before anybody was higher than Allen Robinson. In fact, I actually traded up in the second round to draft a out based on John Moore's recommendation, so I'm a little bit biased toward that, and that Tyler Boyd is a guy that a lot of rotavis guys, including Sean Siegel, are high on. So, yeah, I know he's with Dalton, but you know, Marvin Jones and Sanu had a nice, you know, role in that offense. And I think he could step in and, and could be productive this year. You know, I, Marvin had 103 targets. Um, AJ Green, could, if he goes down, you know, Boyd would be gangbusters. So um, I, I like him. You know, Eifert's still there, but Eifert did not have a ton of targets. He, he's just scored a lot. So I, I think there's an opportunity there. Dalton's not that bad. What, what do you think about Boyd?
0: Sure. So, I mean, like you said, obviously uh, had a great breakout age. He broke out at 18, Um, obviously had a great market share of targets because he was basically, excuse me, market share of receiving yards in his final year because that Pittsburgh offense was just like anemic. He had 40% of Pittsburgh's total receiving yards. Um, But that's kind of where the, I guess, where I see the, uh, the positives ending. Um, I know you like him. And I know a lot of the sharp road of guys like him. Uh, but like I said, some of the efficiency numbers that I track, he was well below average in percentage, percentage of targets that went to first downs, 15 plus yards and 20 plus yards. Um, Matt Harmon, obviously we all know him from reception perception. You know, he tracks all the success rates for his coverages and uh, Boyd scored below average against man and zone and press. Uh, so I think, like you said, there's some interesting tidbits like breakout, his breakout age is fantastic, obviously. And he does go into a pretty good spot. Like Cincinnati has 152 vacated targets. That was 30% of their team share. And like you said, I've kind of thrived off those uh, receiving touchdowns last year. Um, I think Boyd from like a football perspective, Boyd adds more to that offense than he does in a fantasy perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, it, he he is kind of interesting for sure. I actually, I, you have, do you have him third, I guess?
1: Yeah, I have him third. And I know that's how, yeah, he how
0: I was. Would, yeah, he would be my, he's actually my, let's see here, one, two, three. He's my seventh, I believe, right after Will Fuller. Um, just because I, I really respect the work that Harmon does. Uh, with reception perception and seeing those below average success rates paired with some of the efficiency numbers that I kind of track. Um, obviously like I said, breakout age is great, but um I'm kind of split on him. So let's let's move on here, Jake, to someone that does not have a good breakout age. And that's Josh Doxon, who is hashtag kinda old. <laughs> what do you what do you think? Well actually Doxon uh Doxson does have a pretty good breakout age. It was ni- it was 19, but I meant that in the sense that he is old uh, for a rookie, uh, Jake, what do, you, what do you think about Doxie?
1: I, I'm not crazy about his landing spot, especially for 2016. I think he's got he still got Djax and on and uh, Reed in front of him, so that's that's a long way to go. Um, he's kind of a big play guy too for me, which I'm not always crazy about. And the, the age thing is a big one for me. I just it, it just doesn't seem to work out that often. I know some guys have come into the league old and worked out fine you know kevin benjamin you know at least one year's worth was great he was an old rookie but he,
0: i have him at five is where i got him so just a couple spots below yeah sure so we're going to disagree here jake i have him at two um he is my uh, second wide receiver behind coleman and uh then i have treadwell treadwell right behind doxson at three I just, just kind of on the age point real quick, you know, you mentioned KB, uh, Kelvin Benjamin was 23 when he came to the league and Doxon turns 24 in December. So, uh, his league year age, I guess will be 24 this year. And, uh, actually pulled up, pulled up some numbers since 1990, uh, some, you know, rookie seasons at age 24. Uh, and Jake, do you want to, I actually, you're really into historical numbers. So I'm going to let you guess. Right, who uh, do you think is top two, top 24? It, it doesn't have to be top 24, but who do you think has the top PPR seasons as a rookie uh, at age 24? Only age 24. Who's the top two?
1: Rookie. I know Marvin Harrison was a little older, but he didn't.
0: Yeah, it was Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison was two. He was number one.
1: Okay. And then Roddy White, but he didn't really break out until a couple of years in the league, right? He was
0: older. Yeah, Roddy White. Roddy White was kind of poor, actually. He was, 19th on my list okay I, I, I don't have any other ideas man it was uh actually Joey Galloway oh, wow. and uh Keyshawn Martin yeah Keyshawn Martin was right behind Marvin Harrison uh so kind of to put that into perspective uh there's only been one 1,000 yard wide receiver season uh by a rookie at age 24 um obviously Marvin Harrison is like the exception to every rule and Keyshawn Johnson had a super interesting career, and Roddy White broke out like no one breaks out at 27 in the NFL. It like just doesn't happen that often. Right. So I, gr- I agree that the biggest concern for him is his age. I mean, he went nuclear in 2015, though. His, his, his production was just unreal in, in 2015.
1: Yeah, and, you know, they took him in the first round. So that, that all... Speaks well for him. So, who you got next? Is it is Shepherd next for you?
0: Uh, let's see here. Yep, it's Shepherd. Um, Jake, do you want to take Shepherd, or uh, should I go first?
1: Yeah, you know I'm not going to get too into to Shepard, but I, do, I will talk about Eli Eli Manning. Eli Manning um, has supported two top twenty four receivers a couple times in his career. In fact. Um, he did it with Nicks and Cruz and even Mario Manningham stuck in the top twenty one year as a wide receiver too. So I like Shepard's landing spot playing opposite of OBJ. I think he's going to have a lot of less competition for um, you know because OBJ uh, is going to be drawing all the double teams. So he's a guy that could definitely step in. I think that the Giants um, told told us what they think about Victor Cruz drafting him, and you know Victor Cruz may not just never be the same. So. You know, that's that's a decent get. And it, it, it's a guy I wouldn't expect just to blow up in year one, but could be a nice wide receiver, too, for the long haul.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with pretty much um, exactly what you said. The spot is great. Um, the Giants have 104 vacated targets from last year. That was uh, just under 17% of their team share. Um, yeah, I mean, just from like an opportunity standpoint playing opposite of Odell Beckham. That's going to take a lot of pressure off a rookie, like extreme amount of pressure. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see uh, what he does in year one. And I I could see him like if Coleman does like have a top 24 season, I could see Shepard somehow sneaking in and being like the number two scoring rookie wide receiver, like just based on what that offense could do and how Eli Manning has supported, like you said, in the past, two top 24 wide receivers.
1: Right. And going to the OC, um, McAdoo who came from green Bay, you know, Aaron Rodgers supported two wide receivers five times in his career. And McAdoo was a part of that. So you got to like that for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. All right, Jake, let's talk about one more guy here. Uh, let's talk about Will Fuller, um, four, three, two speed. Uh, that was a 99th percentile 40 jay could you imagine being that fast a 4-3-40 that's just sick my my I, like i can't run i bet when i played baseball in high school i think my fast was like a 4-9 like that is just blazing
1: it's crazy man um uh, but you know like speed doesn't always work in the nfl it's we yeah. see <laughs> hayward bay was a 4-3 and i don't think he's ever had a thousand season in his career. So. I'm always not seduced by speed. I, I don't care for the landing spot at all. I'm not sold that Brock is that good. And so I, I think this is a, the Hawkins show there. And I, I, I won't want any part of Fuller just because I don't think Brock can support both. Uh, I think Jalen Strong's still there. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm just not into Fuller. What do, what do you think about
0: him? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, I, can, I tend to agree about Brock, and maybe we'll save this for another show. Uh, to talk about Brock and the and the Houston offense. I do agree that, that uh, Matt Hopkins is just going to go ham again. Uh, he should dominate all the targets there for the most part. But Houston actually does have 150 vacated targets from last year. It was 24% of their team share. And you did, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, it, it is a lot of targets. Um, but they did draft Braxton Miller. Jalen Strong is still kind of in the fold, but I, I'm – really concerned about him because he's gonna start the year suspended. And they just got Braxton and Will Fuller. Yeah. So I'm not really sure where he fits there. So anyway, yeah, I mean like he I kind of have him in this I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Fuller in the same sense I'm thinking of Tyler Boyd. Like he's gonna take the top off the defense. He's gonna, you know, have some big plays, some big splash plays. But from like a fantasy perspective, we don't like Brock Osweiler all that much, unless and I mean Bill O'Brien has done, you know, he's made you know lemon uh, lemonade out of lemons with with bad quarterbacks before, uh, so we'll see there. But yeah, just in general, I, I don't love kind of the role. It's going to be one of those high variance roles where he just needs uh, big splash plays to kind of pay off. And um, from like just a year one to year two perspective, I'm I'm gonna be interested to see how it plays out. But I probably will not have much fuller this year.
1: Me neither. Um, and the next guy on the list is uh, Leonte Carew, and uh, I know this is a guy that a lot of metrics people love. And uh, man, did he fall in a bad spot just because he's behind two, you know, uh, proven. Landry and a Parker that's coming on that everybody loves with a quarterback that yeah it's just, it's Ryan Tannehill. So I, it's just really too bad that he fell there, but what, what, what's your take on Carew?
0: Sure. So, you know, Miami has 118 open targets. Um, I think a lot of people are expecting Parker to kind of fill that void immediately. And I think, I think he will, uh, I still see it, man. People love to hate Jarvis Landry and they, they want to write him off so quickly. And I I think it's frustrating for, for fantasy for sure, because like the slot guy's just hogging all the targets and, you know, people get frustrated at that, but Landry and Tannehill, like one of the things Tannehill actually does decently is throw near the line of scrimmage. And you know what Jarvis Landry is really good at getting open near the line of scrimmage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but, but Leont, Leontay crew, like you said, horrible spot. I mean, I would have loved to see him in like new Orleans or something, uh, where Michael Thomas went, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. It'll be really interesting to see, but Jake, here's something to ponder. I was pulling up uh dynasty leagues, uh, dynasty league football's average draft position for May. Um, and right now Jarvis Landry is the wide receiver 16. Parker is right after him in the wide receiver 17. And the Leonte Cruz, is the wide receiver 50. That's kind of like a decent arbitrage play. Just like if you're looking at it just from uh, like just an arbitrage standpoint, I crew is the cheapest option. He's also the third option, but I don't think There should be such a wide gap
1: we talked about how down we are with Parker at that spot in ADP a couple of weeks ago, you know, we did podcast, a couple, a couple of podcasts ago. So that's kind of an interesting play where you take crew. Cause you're betting against Parker.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, like I, I obviously don't think I'm not saying Carew is a better wide receiver than Devontae Parker at this point. Like that's just not, uh, not something I'm about, but, um, but yeah, it's an interesting arbitrage for, for sure. Um, but just kind of um, moving along here, Jake. You know, Carew is the wide receiver fifty in average draft position right now, and um, you know it's an interesting time for wide receivers in fantasy football. Uh, you published a piece a couple of weeks ago over on RotoViz that everybody should go check out, and you kind of questioned if the wide receiver position is at maximum capacity right now. Jake, why don't you talk about that a little bit? We'll uh, we'll have some discussion here but it's a super interesting idea that some of these rookies might have a really hard time cracking the top 24 or even the top 36 this season.
1: You know, this is something that you and I are unique or we're taking a unique take on. I think this is it. Um, Let me just run through this real quick. So these are the guys that I think are going to be in the top 24 this year and possibly later and and why I think these rookies are going to have a hard time cracking. Um, the top 24. So we got Antonio Brown, AJ Green, Des, DT, and Julio. we'll call it them the older elite. They're all around 28, 29. Those five guys, any question that they're going to be in the top 24 this year, you know, injury aside, you're with that, right? But those oh, five guys. Yeah. Okay. Of course. So now, now you got Marshall and Fitz and I, I included them because they were both top 10. Maybe they fall off a clip this year, but let's just for sake of this, this, uh, Theory. Let, let's just hold them in there. Step brings to the seven. Now the next class, or I'll call the young elite. You got Hopkins, OBJ, Allen Robinson, Cooks, Cooper, Watkins, Evans. I'm going to put Kelvin Benjamin in there because he already had a top 20 season.
0: You better put KB in there.
1: Yeah, you got to. Uh, Jordan Matthews <laughs> has had two seasons in the top 25. I know people hate on him, but he's... He's been awesome. Um, Keenan Allen is, is in this group also, and, and Jarvis Landry. So with those 11 to 11 or 12 guys, now we bring our total to 17. Now the next group, a um, little bit older guys, but still guys that are, that are hammering up top 24. you got Golden Tate. It's going to be the, the hev- most heavily targeted guy there in Detroit. Decker, we just saw what Decker did. Um, I put an Allen Hearns here. Um, he, he cracked the top 20. Maybe he falls off. We'll see, but I, I thought he was working in there. Hilton hasn't missed 20, the last three years. Rand Cobb uh, just missed this year, but he's done it twice before. I think he's a safe bet playing in Green Bay. i got Jordy in this tier also, and we know what Jordy's capable of. Emmanuel Sanders is at two back-to-back top 24 seasons. Even with his bad as Denver were last year passing, they had two top 24 receivers. Um, Jeremy Macklin's in this, and I put Crabtree in there too just because he, he jumped in that top 24 and then Edelman who missed um, the top 24, but he's had several and New England's always had their, their slot guy going back to Welker has been a top 20 play. So with those guys, we're, we're right in the 30 range. Um, that's a lot of receivers. And we have got to the second year guys like Kevin White, Perriman, Parker, Aguilar, Lockett, Diggs, Funches. You got Michael, or Michael Floyd in Arizona. And John Brown. What, who's that? And John Brown. John Brown, yeah, I got him next on here. DGB, there's a lot of people think that he's going to jump in. Uh, Moncrief, there's a ton of hype in dynasty circles over Moncrief. Uh, Willie Sneed actually just had 900 yards. You now, maybe um, Thomas cuts into him at the Saints, but we'll see. Um, Wheaton is going to be the number two guy, at least this year. And then you got Gordon, who may or may not come back. Montevius Bryant's not going to be here this year, but will next year. So I just named off close to 50 guys. So even with injuries and, let's say, Marshall and Fitz fall off, we still have 30-plus receivers that these rookies have to beat out to break the top 24, and that's really tough to do. And the only real way to do that, at least historically, is from targets. So looking at this class to me, Coleman's the only one that that, that could – That has a legit chance of getting enough targets, meaning 120 plus. You know, there's been plenty of guys get in on 100 targets um, that were crazy efficient. You know, Baldwin just did it, but that's a daunting list of receivers. There's there's only there's only so much top 24. You know, Mm -hmm. like finite number. We're all chasing those top spots. How are they going to do it? And you know, if they don't do it this year, they still got next year. And this class of 2014 ain't going away. I mean, a lot of guys are going to be around. And I I still think Decker and Dez and A.J. Green and those guys are going to, they're going to be top 24 for the next three, four years into their early 30s. So it's
0: it's tough competition. What, What do you say about that? Sure. I mean, like, I think of it this way is I think with all of these wide receivers that we have, don't you think with just the complete dearth, I think it makes it like less predictable on a week to week basis because so many guys, there's so many good talented guys in good spots. It just makes this less predictable from a week to week perspective. And what's really interesting, like you said about the opportunity and some of these, uh, some of these landing spots for these rookie guys, like, you, you know, we talked about Coleman and we're both uh, equally pretty high on Coleman, but then after that, like just opportunity wise and, and, kind of quarterback play wise, I think Shepard kind of falls in line there. And I kind of mentioned him. I actually kind of like Shepard as like a sneaky kind of way to get him maybe a top 36 spot, but then, you know, you've got Doxon in Washington. I think Doxson is immediately better than Garcon, but that's another conversation for another day. Treadwell's on an offense that has like extremely low pass attempts. um, And unless Adrian Peterson goes down, I don't see there's really any reason for that to change. Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, uh, the Drew Brees boat, Uh, rises all tides, of course. That'll be really interesting to see where Thomas lands. Um, But just in general, after that, like Fuller, Carew, Boyd, all of those guys, they're going to have to have massive efficiency numbers to kind of jump into there. And, like, it's just such an interesting play in general because running backs right now are extremely devalued. And in Dynasty, right now, we're seeing a huge boon in wide receiver value. Um, Right now, like, perfect contrarian play is just to take a like more an above average amount of running backs early in startups like LaShawn McCoy I've done a couple of the uh, the Dynasty League mocks I, I've gotten LaShawn McCoy in like the sixth seventh eighth round in some of these mock startups um which is interesting I mean at that point we're sitting in like the wide receiver 45 and ADP
1: I love it man I mean that totally plays in with the way I love doing a startup I I, I did a startup recently and I had uh DeMarco Murray in the ninth round I mean, say what you will about him, and, you know, Henry's there, but that's, this is a guy that hasn't missed the top 30 ever in his career. And I took him in the ninth mm-hmm. round. So the, the tough part I have about rankings, and um, I, I noticed you were one of the, the lower ranking, lowest rankings on, on DLF with your rookies. And, um, and George Criticus called us out on Twitter and said that I'm influencing you. And <laughs> Which is funny because you influence me all the time. I don't think that's the thing. I think you've really taken a look at, at the landscape, and that's probably. Oh, don't
0: don't tell don't show yourself don't sell yourself short. You influence me all the time, um, but no, I mean I kind I replied to that tweet and I said, yeah, it's kind of like just taking a look at the landscape. First of all, that there's a huge number of wide receivers. I mean, you mentioned thirty five, thirty six guys. And we feel pretty com- comfortable saying they'll probably be in the top 50 in terms of ADP next year. Um, and then, like, a mix of of that, along with these landing spots that we, we don't love outside of maybe two or three guys. And then just, like, the general lack of depth in this class. Like, after Zeke and Coleman, there's just a bunch of guys. And it's going to be really depending on, like – Depending on what kind of flavor you like, do you like Treadwell? Do you like Doxson Could you move up and get Henry? Do you like ProSize? You like Mike Thomas so much that you move up and get him. I mean, it, it, there's just so many ways you can go. For me, at least, Coleman's my one or two. But there's so many ways you can go after the you know the first pick.
1: Right, and I, the hard part I have about you know rankings in general is that there'll be people out there that have Treadwell as their wide receiver twenty, and and that might be fine, but you know. Someone's going to take him in the fourth round of a startup, and if he takes two, three years to develop, which wouldn't be abnormal for a receiver, considering, you know, only 15 hit the top 24 in year one anyways, that that's going to cripple your team. And so, like, I struggle with, with doing that in these startup drafts because I'm going to take Golden Tate and Decker in that spot every time before I take, you know. And those guys, are their ADP is, like, wide receiver 30-plus versus, you know, a guy like Treadwell, you know, or even Coleman, who, who we both like in this class. So it's just, you got to play the odds. And um, I, I like the way that you ranked your rookies. I think Coleman is your wide receiver 26. Yeah. And, and that's fair. I, I think I probably wouldn't have him until the 30 range. Um, but that's just me. I'm a little bit more um, risk averse for, for rookies at least. And it's just something that people need to think about when they're doing their startup draft is, If these guys like don't give you that production, the first couple of years it can really cripple your team, team success in the beginning. And I just like to win every year, and so that's why
0: we all love to win, Jake. We all love to win.
1: Yeah, but you know Um, this crap about rebuilding and you know sucking for luck. Get out of here, you know. Like (laughs) hey, somebody else to win.
0: Hey, hey, Jake. Jake, you sucked for luck last year.
1: Yeah, don't don't go there, man. I did take him. Oh, first.
0: Did I open up the wound? I'm sorry, Jay. You got hurt. Full you got hurt.
1: Full disclosure: I took Andrew Luck in the first round of a dynasty startup. Okay, and I finished third. Finished yeah. third. Okay, I would have finished first had I taken Julio Jones or Dez Bryant, not Dez Bryant, but Julio Jones or you know some of these other you know top first round picks. I would have finished first. So that's stunning a little bit, you know? And so th- those kind of things can happen in your drafts and, and you got to take that into a roster construction.
0: When, yeah. I think that's the key thing is roster construction. Like right now, Treadwell is, uh, you know, and I don't have the numbers like right in front of me, but he, I know he's a top 25 wide receiver, like amongst the DLF rankers. And that's fine. Like people, you know, he's, he's not even 21 yet. He can't even legally buy beer. Um, But what's interesting, but what's interesting is like right now, I I don't want Treadwell as my wide receiver three. If he's going in the top five rounds, let's say in startups, which he is, I don't want him as my wide receiver three. I just don't see a way for him to, in the first year, first two years at least, with that offense, with the current climate in Minnesota, I don't know if I see a clear path for him to be a top twenty-four wide receiver. Beyond that, once Peterson is gone. And, you know, two years from now, that offense can completely change. This year, it could completely change for, for that matter. But, like, we sit here in the summer and we, we agonize and we think about this. Like, from a roster construction standpoint, I cannot stomach having Treadwell as my third wide receiver. I couldn't do it.
1: Well said, especially when you're picking him over, guys. Like, you know, Jordy Nelson is a fourth-round pick. He's going yep. in that range. And, you know, he's a little bit longer than the tooth. But if the guy ends up producing, if he's a top-ten guy, that is going to be a huge boon for your team um, even if it's only one year so it it all needs to go into the equation
0: for sure and i I agree like i i shouldn't have ribbed you over the the suck for luck thing but but, uh anyway like yeah i'm not one to kind Uh, of sit back what's that
1: this is my favorite statistic on andrew luck he had through seven games he only played seven games he had 23.1 points okay cam newton through his first seven games had 23.9 so we really don't know what luck would have done at the end of the season (laughs) Uh, i I know i know that's a cop-out but think about that like he was only 0.9 points a game behind cam newton who ended up being the qb1 that that's that's my left thing we don't need to talk about it again maybe we'll talk about quarterbacks on a different show but
0: i hear you but but kind of getting back to the to the treadwell and roster construction point here jake um Like right now, Brandon Marshall, and of course he's going to be 33 this year. So that's a major caveat. Um, but you know, he's still balling. He's going 10 picks after Treadwell. Do you feel more comfortable about Treadwell being your wide receiver three or Brandon Marshall? I mean, for me, it's Marshall and it's not even remotely close. And I know you feel the same way, but these are the types of things you have to think about in terms of roster construction. Yeah. And
1: this is some way that I think people can expose these dynasty startups with picks like this. I mean, I, I took Larry Fitzgerald in the 10th round last year. And that's why that, that Andrew Luck team still did really well because you can expose these, these drafts with age because people don't want to take the, the older guys, you know?
0: Yeah. It's super interesting. Like right now, Ju- Julian Edelman is 20 spots behind Shredwell. Like if I'm competing right now for a, a championship, I feel like my roster is like, primed to uh to go for a championship run like who is more valuable to my team right now like would I rather have Edelman in next year's 2017 pick or Treadwell this year I mean these are the th- these are again just thought experiments but it, it's just it's super interesting to think about it uh, especially in a down class like this here. I mean who knows these guys come out and just blow us away we really don't know uh we're gonna be wrong pretty often but it's just a super interesting thought experiment
1: uh, you know, and I'm with you, man. I want to win every year. So I'm going to go for that, that proven production every time.
0: Yep, yeah, I agree, Jake. All right. I think that's going to do it for episode nine. Jake, what should we talk about in the next pod?
1: Ooh, there's so many things I want to talk about. Um, I would love to talk about play callers. You know, there's a lot of people that think it's just a narrative, but I think that you can connect play callers with some of the top scoring seasons and it happens again and again. That's something we could talk about. We could talk about film versus metrics. Uh, we could, oh, yeah. That's all yeah. right? right? Your yards created is kind of taking the best of both worlds, which I think is awesome.
0: Yeah, well, I, really, I really appreciate that. But to the coaching narrative thing, Chris Rabon, uh just did an excellent study over at 444 Football uh, about coaching tendencies. So maybe, maybe we'll talk about that. Sounds good, man. we got all summer. I know. It's a blank slate. It's a blank slate. All right. For Jake, I'm Graham. That was episode nine. Thanks for listening, everybody.